Grace and peace, everyone. I'm going to hold up for a few seconds. Let some people start getting in here. Got a special, special, special guest with me tonight, Gabriel Parker. But I'll allow Gabriel to introduce himself in a minute. What up, CMB, the ambassador? Good to have you in here, bro. Grace and peace, bro. What's up, Amber? So let me go on my Facebook and make sure that I'm seeing the link over there. Always helps when you have too many computers. Not sure that's really a good thing yet, but we'll see. <laughs> Got some other people logging on as we speak. Just giving everyone a, time, a couple of minutes to get in the group. Apologists in Detroit, what's up, bro? Good to see you, man. AKA Cribs. Let's see if Facebook is actually live. Yeah, I, yeah, see, I see it live. Oh, sweet. Yeah, we live. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And let me do a quick check. As a matter of fact, I can see from this side that the people that have commented already are coming in from YouTube. So I know the YouTube is live also. Um, CMB or Cribs, can one of you um, tell, or Mr. Phil Fox, is the YouTube started already? Like, is the stream actually flowing? Or is it still at the waiting screen? <laughs> Somebody drop in the comments if um, YouTube is live as well. Good looking out, Mr. Phil Fox. Um, good looking out, Charles Baran jumping in, uh, and YouTube is live too. So we good right now. Awesome. So let me close all the other computers. It is now 8 o'clock on the dot. Thanks for the feedback, guys. Um, so let's go ahead and get this puppy started. We're going to do a little intro, and then we'll jump right in. Here's the intro. Let's go. Yo, grace and peace, everyone. Awesome, awesome, awesome to be here today. Uh, we do have, for I believe the first time ever, a special guest. I might be wrong in that. I might have had a guest before, but for sure, this is very special because um, this man is a powerhouse in uh, my favorite style, genre of music, hip hop, um, but you know, strong apologetics, strong scripture background. So, super quickly, I'm introducing Gabriel Parker. Uh, my brother from um, the P Path of Revelation podcast. Um, super quick, Gabe, introduce yourself. Tell us where you at, where we can find you, and what you do out here. For sure. For sure. Uh, just, excited just excited to be, to be here, be man. Here. Thanks for, for asking me to be a part. I'm so excited. Um, Jesus lover, husband, father of two beautiful boys, except for three girls. 
um, entrepreneur, podcast host, producer, rapper, all for the glory of God. So I'm excited about tonight. Um, for anybody who wants to keep up with me and follow me, um, you can follow me on Facebook, Parker. Um, Instagram at Gabriel T. Parker or at POR Music Now, which is the following Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Um, that's how you can keep up with me. But I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited to dive into the Word of God and, and um, go through some of these topics and, and let the Word of God speak. All right, so I'm, a couple of people are saying there's an echo. So um, is there any way for you to turn down your speaker a little bit, Gabe? Uh, and is there an echo on my side as well, Mr. Phil Fox or Charles or Apologist? Or is it only on Gabe's side? If I need to go grab my... my uh, Bluetooth. Here, yeah, do that. That will definitely kill any echo that might be there. I'll be right back. Yeah, cool. All good. So um, while Gabe is going, um, like he just introduced himself, good brother of mine, known Gabe, Gabe for a good minute now. Um, so honored to have him on here. Um, we're going to be t discussing something that I think is um, super, super critical, uh, very needed um, in the world today in general. Um, for people from a, a scriptural background, probably even more so. Um, so yeah, this, this, this is going to be a good one. We're very much so looking forward to it. Um, and yep, we're just kind of hanging out, waiting for Gabe to get back, and then we will go. Aha, there he is. Gabe is back. So give, me, give him a second. Put the airs in. Let me know when you're up and running, Gabe. Obviously, you know, we got to have the cup of tea here. Um, this is not lemongrass today for the people that are watching in from the Caribbean. This is a black, um, not a standard, um, um, you know, black tea kind of a thing. This kind of has some cardamom and other things in it. It's not quite an Earl Grey either. It's not that strong, but more importantly, it's high in caffeine. So that's my tea review for the day. Um, shout out to David's Teas, where I got this one from. <laughs> How is right, the, Gabe. yeah, Can you hear we, me, got you. we got you, Gabe, loud and clear. How's the echo, y'all? Is it better, the same, worse? Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, so as promised, we'll be, today, tonight we're talking about, and this will go live, I'm sorry, this will go on the replay as well. Um, so just in general, good conversation, we'll keep it there for posterity. But let's jump right in. We're going to go live and talk about ethnicity in the Bible. And why are we talking about ethnicity in the Bible? Uh, other than obviously it's very important um, because, you know, ethnicity is mentioned in the Bible. Um, I just think it solves a lot of what we see in the landscape today. So, um, Gabe, I'll, I'll ask you to kind of open up with some just some thoughts on, you know, your purview on ethnicity in the Bible. And um, once Gabe starts talking to you guys, let me know if the echo is there. You can hear him clearly, et cetera, et cetera. Go ahead, Gabe. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. I think we're in a time and age where it's 
more important in a lot of instances to focus on ethnicity, um, especially in the last year and a half. We've seen so many um, issues. Racial tension has been at an all-time high. And I think how the church has responded in certain instances has actually, in certain instances, has helped throw fuel on the fire. But I also see brothers and sisters who are laboring um, as well to stay true to the word of God. Um, but as we look at the scriptures, um, I think the focal point a lot of times is who is Israel and, and, and how, how should we view Israel in light of the scriptures? Is Israel the focal point of scripture or is Christ? And so I think we, we, we have to start there um, and, and put those two components in their proper place. Um, because if those, if those two components aren't in their proper place, um, in a lot of instances, we end up lowering Jesus, uh, the person of Christ, um, when we elevate not just Israel, or, but anything above him, or even try to put it on the same level. And so when it comes to ethnicity um, in the Bible, I don't know how far you want me to dive in if we want to just start going. Um, but I'll say this, some, some are more concerned with God looking like them than them looking like God. And I'll say that again, some people are more concerned with God looking like them than them looking like God. And what I mean by that is it's something wrong. It's something really wrong when you heard that Jesus, when you considered yourself awakened, when you heard someone say Jesus looked like you, but you weren't awakened when you heard that he died for you. That, that, that is very problematic because I'm seeing many brothers uh, and sisters who, who once professed to be Christians, who once professed to be, um, be followers of Christ, and now that they've come into this quote-unquote new knowledge, now they're awakened. Now they're alive. But it's like, what, what happened when you heard about Jesus dying for your sin? What, what happened when you heard about him rising from the dead like he said he would? You weren't made alive then, but you're made alive when you heard Jesus looks like you. And so I think it's important for us to put ethnicity in its proper place. And what better place to start than the scripture? Awesome, awesome, we, we, awesome. You know. And on that note, um, let's 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 kind of jump in. So I, anyone that's ever been with Bible hacking, you know, we 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 love scriptures. So let's 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 look at some actual scriptures now. And I can appreciate that this is going to be. It's going to challenge your preconceived notions in probably a lot of things. Um, in some instances, some of you might have come in with the impression that, you know, we're probably this is going to be one of those talks where, you know, we're trying to prove to you that Jesus was a black guy. Um, 
I don't think Gabe or myself are trying to prove that to you. Like, I, I, I don't think that's probably even going to come up other than me just using it as an example. Uh, and there's a reason why the Bible doesn't make clear, you know, Jesus's um, skin tone. Uh, I think we would have gotten jacked up and lost in the weeds if he did. But um, the reason why, or one of the reasons why, in my opinion, this is so important. And I grew up in a largely, pre predominantly African-American black environment. So all of my family, the vast majority of them are dark skinned, you know, they're Caribbean, you know, some mixed mulatto, etc. But, you know, for the most part, we are dark skinned people. So that's what I grew up around. Like I didn't grow up in some strange, you know, I was the only dark skinned person there type of an environment. Um, nonetheless, and Gabe, I, I want your feedback and like what your background was on this. Nonetheless, I grew up in church. Um, was a Christian at a very young age, five, six years old. I remember praying for my mom to get saved. Many of you have probably heard that. Um, but in my entire church experience, I repeatedly have been told the Bible doesn't talk about ethnicity. The Bible doesn't talk about skin tone. It is not important. And that has been the overarching thought that we've had. God loves all of us. He loves us equally. Um, skin tone is not important. It's not relevant. That's why the Bible doesn't mention it. Um, and that's kind of been my, you know, my, my going at it. And I think because we've allowed the truth of God's word to be largely, it, as it pertains to ethnicity and, and race, to be largely obscured is why today, and it's not just a today thing, but why recently more and more people get led astray when you, as Gabe said, kind of show them themselves in their skin tone in the Bible, and suddenly that's a big deal and they wake up to that. However, the thought that Christ died for them, that never woke them up. Or, or, or the fact that Christ maybe looks like them or the children of Israel maybe looked like them, that blows their mind. But Christ died for you, eh, and that's passe because you've heard that your whole life. So that's kind of why we're jumping on this and why we're going at it in that direction. So let's start with one scripture. And Gabe, you know, um, you, if you want to hit one of yours as well, you can let me know. Uh, one, uh, uh, oh, other note here. We definitely going to have Q&A. So if we say something, you think something, you want to ask something that's relevant to the topic at hand, please drop it down in the chat and we will absolutely address it. I'll be able to throw it up on the screen and we can discuss it, talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. I genuinely hope the echo is better. I see some people saying it's minimal now, so thanks for that feedback. So here we go. Um, so one of the key scriptures that I, I, I like, and I'm purposely starting in the beginning, um, and Carmen Imes, Dr. Carmen Imes, a biblical scholar, extremely intelligent, um, tons of respect for her. She recently spoke about this on one of her teachings. Um, she talks about in Genesis um, 2, verse 7, the Lord formed man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, etc., etc. And the Lord planted an orchard garden in the east, in Eden. And that's where he placed the man that he had formed. And one of one of the things that's interesting is soil of the ground in a garden is almost exclusively dark brown. Like desert sand is not fruitful ground to plant a garden in. So pretty much from the jump, there's a very strong implication there that these people, wherever Eden was, 
were formed from the soil of the ground, which by extension means they were likely of a darker brown skin tone. So that's like just bit and piece number one. You got any thoughts on that, Gabe? No, I'm just listening. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what more you're, where you're going with it. Bigger part, though, is the concept of ethnicity. And this is where I, I, I really think we need to spend significant time. So oftentimes we get wrapped up in, you know, the, the Bible is obviously the story of the children of Israel um, and Yahweh's re relationship with them. Yahweh, you know, from Genesis pretty much 11, 12 onward has formed them, made them and, you know, talks about what he's doing to deliver them, et cetera, et cetera, and how his interactions with them are. And where a lot of people get twisted up is they start trying to align somehow, okay, these children of Israel must have been dark-skinned. Um, so um, let's, let's, let's kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. Um, so Genesis chapter 15, verse 12. Um, Abraham, the father, grandfather basically, of the children of Israel. Um, you know, God has spoken to him and told him, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Um, and this was the, 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 a dream or, you know, basically a prophecy, a vision Abraham had. Um, and the sun went down, Abraham fell asleep and a great terror overwhelmed him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign country. They will be enslaved and they will be oppressed for 400 years. But I will execute judgment on the nation that they will serve. And afterwards, they will come out with many possessions. So a lot of people will hear that. And I've seen this mispurposed to be, um, oh, you know, obviously the children of Israel are, you know, African-American slaves. And, you know, this is talking about where they were enslaved. So, again, you know, the Israelites must be slaves. It's very, you can only impose that on the scripture if you don't pay attention to the scripture. Like, Immediately after this, in Exodus, we see the children of Israel enslaved in Egypt under an Egyptian taskmaster. So it's pretty obvious who he was talking about. But we can go a little bit deeper here. And, oops, it's the wrong scripture. Also the wrong scripture. One second, one second, one second. Nope. It looks, like, it looks like I accidentally closed the scripture. Yeah, anyway, I will find it again. Ain't no biggie. So here, probably go there. And one more back. The one that I want, I'll just type it in, is here. So Exodus, right there, we got it. So in Exodus... Um, chapter 12. So we have in Genesis, um, they will be enslaved and afterwards they will come out of slavery with many um, possessions and I'll execute judgment on the nation that enslaves them. Fast forward to Exodus 12 and the, the, the Egyptians, you know, Moses goes down, talks to the, the Egyptians, says, let my people go, etc., etc. And after the 10 plagues, the, by the 10th one, both Egypt, Egyptian pharaohs like, get them the heck out of here. Um, let's bounce. So the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians and the Egypt. This is as they're walking out the door and the Egyptians gave them whatever they wanted. And so they plundered Egypt. So this is a fulfillment of what we see in Genesis when God tells Abraham, your, your, your kids, my nation is going to be enslaved. But 
they're going to plunder the, the place when they leave. And they're going to leave with plenty of stuff. But what I want you to see is this. And the Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. And there were about 600,000 men on foot, etc., etc. A mixed multitude also went up with them and flocks and herds and a large number of cattle. This is the first indicator that the children of Israel are not an ethnically, sorry, not a racial, racially homogenous group. Because as they left Egypt being enslaved for 400 years, it says in the Bible in verse 12, in chapter 12, verse 38, they left as a mixed multitude. But I don't need you to believe me. I'll go a little bit deeper in scripture. And if, if you got any thoughts there, um, Gabe, jump in at any given point. I'm all yours. Um, I, I want to say something. Go. go. I, I, think, I think this is beautiful for a couple of reasons. What's powerful is you started with Genesis. Like, even when we look at Genesis, God setting aside a people, Israel, was always a part of his plan to redeem man back to himself. When we look in the beginning, if we want to get technical, Adam wasn't an Israelite. Yet Adam was in perfect fellowship with God, right? So Adam wasn't an Israelite, yet he was in perfect fellowship with God. And here's what's awesome. Here's what's powerful about this. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but when Adam sinned, all men became sinners, not just Israelites. Israelites weren't even around yet, <laughs> but all men became sinners, yet scripture refers to Christ as the second Adam, redeeming us from the curse established by the first. So scripture refers to Christ who is an Israelite as a non-Israelite to undo what the first man did. And so we, when we, we see these things in like Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, if his death was only to redeem Israel, while the first Adam's transgression cursed all humanity, though, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And the reason why this is important is because one of the reasons why ethnicity has become so important is because a lot of people have made the mistake as interpreting God's chosen people as God's only people. Bam. And say that, that again. Say you that gotta is, say that again, fam. A lot of people have made the mistake of interpreting God's chosen people as God's only people. And so when we look at Adam, who was in perfect fellowship with God, who wasn't an Israelite, we can even go look at a Abraham wasn't an Israelite. Yeah, Israel came out of his lineage. It, it, but but he wasn't an Israelite, right? And, and so God is constantly not dropping breadcrumbs from the Old Testament into the New. We see many foreshadowings and, and things of that nature leading to the promise which is in Christ, right? And it, when we look at um, Acts chapter 17, 
verse 26 through 27. I'm going to read this. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I'm, I'm not sure if you could put a bookmark because I want to come back to this scripture. Yeah, yeah. You go wherever. Acts where? But Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27. And I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to read this because the point I, I want I want you guys to see something in the point that I just made and why it's biblical. So we see Adam. Just I'm going to reiterate the point I just made. So we see Adam, who's not an Israelite, who's in perfect fellowship with God. When he sins, all humanity becomes sinful. We see this in Romans five. By one man's transgression, many, you know, we've all became bound by sin, right? But when we look at Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27, it, and I'm reading from the ESV, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So this scripture is telling us every last one of us came from Adam, right? Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So this is, this is what I've shared with my, my Hebrew Israelite friends who are Israel only, because I don't want to paint a broad brush and act as if all Israelite people who claim to be Israelites or Israelites believe that salvation is only for Israel, but specifically speaking to those who believe that Israel is above all other groups or ethnic groups. The scripture in verse 26 lets us know that we're all in Adam, right? From every nation and tongue. But we, and so we can't take verse 27 and say, hey, that only applies to Israel. When verse 26 established that, hey, it's, it's more, it's from one man. You see what I'm saying? Every nation and tongue. And then he goes on to verse 27, which is, it's in context with verse 26 to say that that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And so what does it mean when we say Israel is chosen then now? Okay, pa because I've heard. Pa 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 go ahead. Pause. Pa put a pin right there in that because <laughs> you're going to we're going to lead them. And we haven't rehearsed this at all. This is just a conversation with two brothers in an audience. We're, we're, we are obviously of the same mind. We're, we're, we're leading somewhere. So let me jump back a smidge. So plundered Egypt, left in a mixed multitude. But I'm going to try to show you biblically that the... And this is the problem when we don't study the Bible correctly. Biblical illiteracy is one of the biggest problems in the American or let's say the Western church today. Um, several professors have said this. Um, you ask a lot of Christians, okay, what, what do you believe in? You know, the Trinity, what is it you believe in? And they'll give you a bunch of stuff they believe in. And you ask them the next 
obvious follow-up question. Since the Bible is the guideline of Christianity, where in the Bible did you find you know, that part of your, your, your belief system? I don't know. So where did you get it from then? I, someone told me it was in the Bible. But they, they can't point to where it is. And as one you know, prof said this week, um, like in real estate, in biblical theology, everything is location, location, location. Because a lot of what we have come to understand is simply not biblical. And it's not that necessarily someone evil, you know, led us astray, but misunderstandings get perpetuated from generation to generation to generation. And if we don't go back to the source text, and I mean by that the Bible, I don't mean the Latin, Hebrew, or Aramaic, or Greek source text. If you don't go back to the Bible to really confirm where am I getting my understanding from, you could, believe, you could be believing something that's not scriptural at all. So back to where I was going. Right. Um, imposing a t one of the biggest things you can, biggest ways you can go wrong with biblical studies is to impose your worldview, your 21st century worldview on the Bible. And that is something we have explicitly done with the topic of ethnicity. And I'll explain you why I'm saying that. So we hear already a mixed multitude left Egypt, the people of Israel. Let's dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, Numbers chapter 32. Because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, not one of the men 20 years old and upwards. And this is Yahweh talking to Moses saying... I'm going to judge those people that just came out of Israel who came from Egypt will see the land that I swore to give to Abraham. So we know who he's talking about. He's talking, he's referring back to that same promise he gave Abraham in Genesis. Isaac and Jacob, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the what? The Kenizzite. Hmm. Troubling words there. Caleb, we all know Caleb. Caleb is one of the two spies. Caleb and one of the 12 spies two of which gave a good report, the other ten gave a sideways report. Are we reading correct here that Caleb is not even an Israelite? Let's dig into that just a smidge further. Um, and these were the leaders of the Israelites. Now, these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shammah, blah, 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 from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So by the time we get to Numbers chapter 13, Caleb is being listed as from the tribe of Judah. But we know Caleb is the son of Jephunneh, who's a Kenizzite. So what the heck is a Kenizzite? Kenizzite was another nation, completely separate. As a matter of fact, the Kenizzites were listed with the Amorites and several other nations, the Kenites as well, who God told Abraham, these are the people you're going to displace. I'm giving you their land. So how is this kid that's a Kenizzite being mixed up and he's actually going to end up being one of the leaders of the children of Israel. Let's dig a little bit. So we're already seeing an image. We, we, Go ahead, Gabe. We see, we see just a piggyback. We, we see this is like a foreshadowing of Gentiles being grafted in. We see, we see these things through, even throughout the Old Testament, like with Rahab, you know, and Oh wait, 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 You you write on it. You write on it. Let me before we go to Rahab, who incidentally ends up in Jesus' line. Like Rahab is defined as she was a Moabite prostitute. And prostitution in those days wasn't for money. Prostitution in those days was 
extra bad because prostitution was always a sign of worship to some deity. So they had temples and they had temple prostitutes and temple prostitutes served that deity. Like they were intrinsic in the, the, the way they gave homage to the deity. So that's what temple prostitutes were for. That's what Rahab was. And Rahab, a Moabite, not an Israelite, ends up in Jesus' line together with Ruth, together with Tamar, and together with Bathsheba. Hmm, weird. But anyway, we'll leave that alone for a second. Let's unpack a little bit further what's going on here. So Caleb, son of Jephunneh, is now a Jew. I love it. Is being called from Judah. I'll give you this. This one I love probably the most. Numbers 25. And I'm going to come out of the Bible real quick for a second and just kind of blow up screen. This is why it is important to read the entire council of the Bible. We often skip over the silly genealogies or the weird books of Numbers and Leviticus where they're talking about a woman on her period is unclean and blah, 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 blah. But because we don't understand that those books well, we completely miss the channel sometimes. And we're often left field thinking up stuff that is completely inaccurate. Anyway, that was just my soapbox. Back to can the I, Bible right quick. Can I interject something right there? Go, go, go. Just to piggyback off what you're saying because what you're saying is so true. A lot of times what we do is we jump from presupposition to presupposition. And what I mean by that is devotionals and, and reading theological books can be very helpful. Um, but I always, I always suggest a part, you should be reading the Bible apart from other people's commentary. You should be you should be disciplining yourself. We should be disciplining ourselves in prayer, disciplining ourselves in reading through the word, because sometimes the boring stuff in the Bible is 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 necessary. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I know for me, some of the you know, sometimes we just want to go to a, to a scripture and just and just shape a whole theology off of it. And, and we miss the details in the story and we miss the context sometimes and, and what ends up happening we end up we end up finding ourselves running from presupposition to presupposition where one thing we're chasing knowledge and, and it's almost like we want knowledge microwave we want to know it right now we don't want to have to dig for it when when the word of god is so rich um, he's worth the pursuit. <laughs> Truth is worth the pursuit. And so sometimes we have to learn how to sit with things and really dig. And if we don't have an understanding, say we don't have an understanding, but sometimes I feel like we always want to have an answer for something. We want to, we want to know, you know, um, it's a lust for knowledge. And so a lot of times in our pursuit for knowledge and our lust for knowledge, we we're chasing knowledge, but we're not we're not seeking wisdom and, and and you can be hung you can be thirsty for knowledge but not seeking wisdom and, and and it don't matter how much you know if the information that you know is wrong and so you know what you're saying or, or, is so or is based on a presupposition or if you're in, it doesn't matter how much you know if what you think you know is simply based on a presupposition um 
a lot of people ask, and I, we're not going to go too deep into this. I'm just going to skate right past this, but t take, take it as food for thought. A lot of people ask, like, you know, back in um, um, the, 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 you know, the Garden of Eden, what is the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Like, you know, why sh should they not have eaten that? What was the problem with it? And a lot of the early church fathers, thinking Athanasius, Alexandra, etc., etc., the way they have interpreted that, and you could go and read their writings on it, the way they have interpreted that is the knowledge of good and evil is something that's very prevalent in the world today. Uh, it was also very prevalent in Judges. If you read Judges from beginning to end, you know, the Samson and, you know, J J Jephthah, etc., etc., in several places in Judges, it says explicitly, and every man did what he wanted to do and what was right in his own eyes. And that was, it, it wasn't a good thing. Judges was saying that like it's very bad. And that is what the, a lot of early church fathers believe that the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil points to. It points to man wanting to do whatever comes to his mind. Like, I know I'm good. I, I can make this choice for myself and I'm going to decide I'm going to do this. That's what we impose on the scripture a lot nowadays by not studying it, not understanding the context, as Gabe just said, but just taking one little tiny verse and saying, hey, I'm going to build my whole belief system on that. And I'll, I'll give you the, in my opinion, the, 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 probably the perfect example of that in this scripture right here. Um, so we see the children of Israel morphing. So you got this Caleb, this Kenizzite, he's mixed in. You got this mixed multitude that came up from Egypt. They're mixed in. Um, you know, something weird is going on. Um, let's go to Numbers 25. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest. So Moses' brother Aaron, the first priest, um, his grandson, Phinehas, has turned my anger away from the Israelites. When he manifested such zeal from among them that I did not consume the Israelites in my zeal. So God was angry. The children of Israel are once again prostituting themselves out. Um, and Phinehas, you know, did something. And you can read what's called the, 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 the heresy um, at Peor to find out what he did. He basically killed someone that was, you know, praising other gods. Um, and therefore, Phinehas, I'm going to give him my covenant of peace. So it will be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of permanent priesthood. Now, why did I get into that nitty-gritty detail about Phineas? Because the word Phineas means Nubian. The word Phineas literally means the African. Let me be more explicit. The word Phineas literally means the black guy. And in biblical times, they didn't call you the black guy because you weren't a black guy. Phineas, and you can find this uh, in other places, was the child of an African lady from Put, which is common day Libya, that um, Eliezer, Aaron's son, went and made a kid with. So there was this mixed multitude rolling up out of Egypt, Aaron's son sees an African lady, says, I like her, I'm a cop her. Cop is the wrong word, but you understand what I mean. I'm going to marry her, I'm going to make a kid with her. Her son ends up being the African guy that gets a covenant of permanent priesthood because he was so appreciated by what he did and he had such a zeal for Yahweh. That's some powerful stuff right there. 
That is some super, super powerful stuff right there. Um, It looks like your camera is frozen, Um, Gabe. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Perfect. We can hear you, but your camera is definitely frozen. Let me come off. Back on. Yeah. I don't. I can't see you, but I can hear you. So that's the most important part. So um, I expect your camera will probably pop up. It's probably just a bandwidth thing. I'm not going to stress. Oh, boom! You're back. You're back. Um, so okay. it's not a bandwidth thing. So I got you. So um, so we're now seeing Africans in the mix as well. And again, I'm not saying this to say you know. Oh, so the children of Israel are obviously African. I'm saying this to say there's obviously different races of people mixed in with the children of Israel. So enough Old Testament. Let's bounce forward to the New Testament. The the coup de grace of New Testament scriptures. Now there were devout Jews. This is Acts 2, right after Jesus leaves. He sends the Holy Spirit down. People start, his apostles start speaking in tongues. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing, and that doesn't mean living, that means they were visiting in Jerusalem. When the sound occurred, a crowd gathered and and they were in confusion because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they said, how is this that we hear them speaking? Aren't they Galileans? How How is it that each one of us hears them in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Provinces of India, of Asia, sorry, Pergamum, Polyphia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene. Why is he listing out all those people and calling them devout Jews? And let me tell you what Craig Keener says about it. Craig Keener says in his um, 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 commentary on the, the cultural background, although these are Jews, they are culturally and linguistically members of many nations. So we see in Acts 2, it's completely morphed now. They're Jews, but because of their sins in the Old Testament, they ended up dispersed globally. One of the nations that attacked Israel under God's watchful eye and, and, and harmed them was the Assyrians. The Assyrians were known for psychological warfare and taking mothers and fathers and children away from each other. So because of those disbursements across the globe, fast forward to the New Testament in Acts 2, these people are Jews ethnically, but they are culturally and linguistically and skin tonally and everything else distributed from the whole entire earth because they've been living there for a couple of hundred years in Libya and in Asia and in Rome and in Greece etc 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 so what is happening with this blessed children of israel and this is the coup de gras and i could pull up a thousand more scriptures to demonstrate this but i'm gonna i'm gonna dead it there and let gabe go into some of his scriptures as well the way we look at ethnicity today is foreign to the the the, the world view of the bible as far as ethnicity and as far as their definition of ethnicity. What do I mean by that? We define ethnicity today by things such as your family, your DNA, where you were born, who you were born under, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we do things like we're gonna do a DNA test to see if I am ethnically a Hebrew. 
if I am if I have that that those chemical components in my blood that make me ethnically a Hebrew. The problem with that is they didn't even have the technology to determine that in the Bible. So how were they determining who is ethnical Jews? And the Bible makes that very clear. Anyone that did the ritual practices of the Jew or of the Torah, those were ethnical Jews. That's how Phineas, the black guy, starts living with the Jews and he starts following their Torah laws and he starts worshiping their Yahweh and bing, bang, boom, he's now called an Israelite. That's how Rahab, the prostitute, gets pulled out. Of, he, she gets saved, redeemed out of um, Jericho and starts living like an Israelite and they say she's now an Israelite. They don't have DNA swabs. They don't have 21 and me or whatever it's called, 23 and me, to determine, look, where'd you come from? And it's nonsensical of us to think that they had people parked at every camp and tent and door to see when a kid is born to make a note, oh, this one's born and he was born here, so that means he's an Israelite. They must have been measuring it on something else. And what they are measuring it on is your ritual practices. This is yeah. how ethnically Israelites are so broad. This is why in Jesus' um, genealogy in Matthew, we see a broad bunch of ethnicities in Jesus' ethno um, 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 ethnicity. Why? Because the, yeah. th they're already making the point. And I'm, go ahead, Gabe. They're already making the point that we had more in line for you, more planned than just this one little nation. It was always going to be about the ritual practices that you do. That's why Christianity now is so broad. Because you could be black, right. yellow, white, purple, pink. You could be from Asia. You could be from Greece. You could be from Africa. Uh, matter of fact, the oldest Christian nation in the world is, in, is Ethiopia. Like the oldest nationally Christian nation is Ethiopia. Does that mean that all Christians need to be from Ethiopia? No, but it probably right. does mean that Africans were not indoctrinated with Christianity in the 1400s under slavery. Like 14, 15, 1600s. It's unlikely. Right. If in the Bible, in Acts, I want to say 9, we already had an Ethiopian from the court of the queen being ministered to by an apostle and saying, hey, head back home with this good news. Matter of fact, why was he even, why was that Ethiopian even in Jerusalem at that time? Because he was already following Israelite ritual practices, which made him an Israelite, even though he was from Ethiopia. Go ahead, Gabe. Exactly. And, and that's why in Leviticus 19.34, it says, But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so... God, we see we see things like this bloodlines mixing in with the children of Israel, with his chosen people, because it's a foreshadowing of God's plan to all. God's plan was always to redeem all of humanity. And so what makes Israel special isn't 
being an Israelite or just, but what makes Israel special is Jesus. Because it was all, it's them being sanctified or cho a chosen people was about Christ. And so, like when we look at Genesis chapter 22, if you could pull up Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 through 18. And, and, and all of these scriptures I'm reading is, from the, is out of the ESV. <clears throat> I want to show you guys something. It's up. And I'm sticking in line with what Gregory is saying, just building on what, what, he, what he has been expounding on so excellently. When we look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 through 18, and then I'm going to go to Galatians 3 and 16 after this. Um, but when we look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 through 18, God is making a promise to Abraham. And he says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the he of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemy and in your offspring this is key and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice now, when we go to uh, Galatians chapter 13, we see Paul referencing back to Genesis chapter 22 in this text. And when we look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, I'm just giving you time to get there. Got it. He says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. Slap your neighbor and say one. <laughs> but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is who? Christ. It didn't say unto your offspring who is Israel. It says to your offspring who is Christ. Now, we know, of course, this includes Israel. But he's making the point that all of this was about Christ. All along. It was all about Christ all along. And, 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 and when we go in, go a little further down in the same chapter in verse 28, this is where we see... Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, right? I want to go somewhere else with this. Hold, if you could, hold, hold, hold your thought there, Gabe. Context, contextually, this is Paul, the apostle, speaking. He's explicitly yep, speaking to Galatians, which are Gentiles. So he's already realizing there's a tension there. And there's probably some Jews that are beefing with them saying they can't be the real deal. Right, so right. in order to counterbalance that, 
the Apostle Paul needs to explain it, break it down like this so they can understand it was never about the ethnical nation of Israel. It was from Israel, Abraham, Abraham's offspring, to Christ. It was always supposed to be about Christ. Go ahead, Gabe. Now, now here's what's powerful about what you're pointing out with, Gal with the Church of Galatia. I believe it's in Galatians 2 where Paul confronts Peter for his partiality. Yep. So, so here, here's, here's what's crazy about this. Peter, in Acts chapter 10, receives revelation while he's sitting on the rooftop. He, he sees a vision of unclean animals coming. And, and the revelation is that Gentiles, by flesh, are grafted in. And he says something powerful in verse 34. He says, I perceive that God is no respect of person. So Peter receives revelation in, in Acts chapter 10 that, hey, this was all about redeeming humanity all along. I, he, he, he's receiving this revelation. Yet in, Ga yet in Galatians 2 later, He's, struggling. He's found guilty of the sin of partiality, even though he got the revelation in Acts, in Acts 10. And we see Paul calling him out. And I'm speaking in layman's terms now. Basically, the story is Peter is chilling with Gentiles because he understands that they're grafted in. He's chilling with them, breaking bread with them, fellowshipping with them, building with them in the gospel. When the Jews walk in, because he cared what they thought, because historically, Jews referred to non-Jews as little dogs. They were, they, 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 there was a superiority complex. So, sounds similar to a lot of what we're seeing today amongst a lot of those who proclaim to be Israelites, right? So there was a superiority complex that they had and so Peter, because he, he understood that there was no partiality with God, but he still had a fear of man. So when the Jews walked in the room, I believe it's in Galatians 2, when they walked in the room, he, he separate, the Bible says he separated himself from the Gentiles because he didn't want the Jews to see him breaking bread with the Gentiles. And Paul peeped it and corrected him. The Bible says Paul confronted him to his face. Now listen, partiality is a sin. I want y'all to hear me good when I say this. The Pharisees knew they were Israelites. They knew that they were descendants of Abraham. They knew the writings of the prophets. But still, they didn't recognize the Messiah when he was right in front of their face. Because ethnic knowledge does not reveal things of the spirit. It might even blind you to things of the spirit. It might, e it might even blind you to things of the spirit. When we look at, hear me good, when we look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 17, 
when Jesus said, ask Peter, who do you say that I am? Because right before that, he was like, who do men say that I am? And, and men, excuse me, men were saying everything but who Christ actually was. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded and said, the son of the living God. And you know what? Jesus didn't say being an Israelite has revealed this to you. Nope. But he said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. See, the, the, the Pharisees failed to realize that Israel and the prophets and the law were all pointing to Christ. And so when we make the Bible about ethnicity or Israel and not Christ, we miss God's true intention. And um, that's why I wanted to look at Philippians. Go ahead. Let me let me let me show even a just a, a highlight of how we get this messed up because you touched on you know today we're seeing a lot of this saying you know wait but my ethnicity is better or worse or whether it be white black or whether it be black Hebrew Israelite versus you know the rest of the Christians or whoever however you want to define it we try to make this differentiation but this is what we see in the Bible and. I, I hope this is legible, but this is a literal inscription from Jerusalem's Temple Mount. They have actually exhumed it from the ground. Archaeologists found it, you know, Indiana Jones, the whole kit and caboodle. This is the actual rock. And what the, this was on the wall of the temple in Jerusalem, the same temple that Jesus pointed to and said, that temple, not a stone is going to be left standing of it. This is one of the stones. And in Greek, inscribed on the rock, it says, No foreigner may enter the balustrade around the sanctuary and the enclosure. Whoever is caught on himself shall he put the blame of the death with which will ensue. This was the equivalent of the only whites served at this lunch counter. Or that water um, thing is for the blacks. This is what was happening in Acts when Paul pops up with Barnabas and brings a Gentile into the synagogue. This is one of the things they had against him. We all know Paul ended up in prison. Like, but what did he end up in prison for? One of the things they had against him that they were looking for him for is he broke this law. The, 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 the ethnic Jews, the the. The Pharisees, so to speak, the, 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 the leaders said, this was the, the rules. You broke them. You, you bring in Gentiles up in here. And it, 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 in the end of it, Paul ended up a martyr. He ended up dying. We could say this cost him his life. The entire New Testament is us fighting against this. So you think the purpose is for God you think God intended for us to one day, you know, boil it back down to, you know, if you're Israelites or not, that's what's going to determine the factor? Why did Christ come then? Like, what was, what was, what was the whole point of it? The, the, the whole point right. of it is that it is not about your ethnicity. It is about Christ. It is about Christ. I can't stress that enough. It's about Christ. Um, let me show you one other one right quick, um, Gabe, if I may. Um, so um, Genesis, um, Genesis 48, 
we see um, Jacob getting ready, to, so Israel getting ready to bless his sons. He says, I'm going to make you fruitful and I will multiply you. I will make you a group of nations. I will make you, the Israelites, my sons, a group of nations. And then is, um, J um, Jacob, Israel, goes ahead and says, call all my 12 sons, I'm going to bless them. And Jacob called his sons and said, gather together, I will tell you what will happen to you in the future. Assemble and listen, you sons of Jacob, listen to Israel, your father. And he, I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, because it's long. He goes through and he picks every one of the sons, and I counted them just to make sure I'm not you know, losing my mind. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, etc., 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 etc. He blesses each one of them, all 12 of them. I want you to catch something, though. And Dan, one of the sons, will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. May Dan be a snake beside the road, a viper by the path that bites the heels of the horse so that its rider falls backward. That don't sound like a good blessing there, but it is what it is. <laughs> FYI, Dan is the tribe that Samson came from. Samson was one of the prominent judges of the people. Fast forward, to, and this is going to be my last scripture, and then we'll go to whatever. Fast forward to Revelation. So we started in Genesis. We at the end now. We in Revelations now. And John, apostle, up in heaven, you know, he sees this vision. And now I heard the number of those who were marked with the seal. 144,000 sealed from all the tribes of the people of Israel. And then we get this list of all the sons again. From the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, etc. Anyone notice anything weird there? Dan ain't there no more. So in Genesis, we got Dan as one of the twelve. One of Israel's sons. Fast forward to Revelation, Dan is missing. It's still twelve. But Joseph's son, Manasseh, has taken over for Dan. So I ask of you, how could it be ethnically specific to this line if Yahweh is making arbitrary changes? And he had reasons for it because Dan was wicked. He had, Yahweh made a change and said, you are now disinherited because of your behavior. I'm not even going to list you in the 12 anymore. I'm going to put this other cat in there. And now fast forward, and this for me is the coup de grace. John now, and after these things, he's in heaven, I looked, and there was an enormous crowd, and I repeat, I looked with my two eyes, and there was an enormous crowd yep. that no one could count, made up of persons from every tribe, nation, people, and language, standing before the throne of the Lamb, blessed in long white robes, etc., etc., and they were shouting, salvation belongs to our God. I'm going to repeat this. And after these things, I looked with my eyes. And there was an enormous crowd that no one could count, made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Explain me something. How do I look with my eyes and identify that that crowd is a diverse crowd? Did he go and ask them for IDs? Did he do DNA swaps? What's the one thing that you can do with your eyes to determine that a large crowd is diverse? Only thing you could have seen diversely is skin tone. So fast forward to the very end. 
the Bible explicitly calls out that these group of people in the very end are racially diverse by the eyes that John could see them with. So we get from Genesis all the way through Revelation. This ain't just about one exclusive group of people. This is very clearly about people that are defined by their relationship with Christ, their allegiance to Christ, their faith yeah. in Christ. Hit me up, Gabe. You know, this is so so powerful. I want to I want to look at Philippians three real quick because I think this is so important to this conversation. Because everything, man, I'm full, man. Just so much, so much word and so much truth just coming out with, with what you just shared. I love it. When we look at Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 3, we're going to look at verse 3 through verse 11. We see, we see Paul here going through his resume, right? He's laying out his resume as a Hebrew. And, and, and what he, he starts off at verse 3 and says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in, in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. This is what I want to stop right here. This is what we're seeing a lot of people doing nowadays. They're putting confidence in their flesh. And you can't put confidence in your flesh or ethnicity and put confidence in Christ at the same time. You got to pick one. No man can serve two masters. So Paul starts off by saying, put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on and starts reading off his resume. Verse four, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he goes into why? Circumcise the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew, can you hear me? Okay. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as of the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, now he's, he's putting it in perspective now. He says, but whatever gain I had, referring to all of these things he just listed, he says, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss. He keeps stressing it. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So what he's saying is, when once I had confidence in my flesh and I considered it to be everything, he says, for the sake of gaining Christ, I consider these things as rubbish. In the King James, it says dung, which is boo-boo, doo-doo. 
He says, I count these things as rubbish that I may gain Christ in verse nine and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So what many of us are clinging to, we should actually be viewing as rubbish in comparison to Christ. It's not that we shouldn't take pride in, in, in where we come from or, or our lineage or even our ethnicity, but these things mean nothing when compared to Christ. And the problem is we try to exalt the one thing while also exalting Christ, and it doesn't work like that. Nothing belongs on the pedestal that we put him on. Nothing belongs in, on the same level or even close to where he is. And, and if we think about putting it close, we ought to consider it rubbish. G Jesus even said, man, if you love your mother more than me, if you love your sister more than me, you're not you're not worthy of me. So how much more are our ethnic and cultural aspect? It's not even to be compared. Oh, you preaching now, bro. You are preaching now, bro. Like. This is what I'm talking about right here. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up now. Um, Adrian, thanks. Adrian, let me know that the echo went away, which means the echo was my fault because I muted when you were talking because I really wanted everyone to focus on you. So I know for future. But um, I think this was really, really good. Um, we've learned that it's about the broad group of people. It's, 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 it's not just about the ethnic group. We've also seen very clearly that black, white, multiple ethnicities spread out from all around the world. They're all explicitly called out. So this this idea that, oh, you know, it's not, um, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about ethnicity and race. It's nonsense. Like Phineas was the black guy. Um, so we can't, same way the Bible doesn't ignore race, we shouldn't as Christians ignore race either. However, race is not right. what defines us or is not what saves us or gets us in the door it is our ritual behavior it is what we do it is how we apply the bible and what we see in the bible to our lives today um so this was real real good gabe tell us again where can they find you get your content etc uh, you can go to Path of Revelation, Path of Revelation, like the Book of Revelation Now.com. Uh, you can follow me on social media at POR Music Now, or just look me up on Facebook, Gabriel Parker. Um, I also have another Instagram page, Gabriel at Gabriel T. Parker. You can hit me up either one of either one of those um, avenues and, and I'll respond. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. Make sure y'all go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Uh, listen to the Path of Revelation podcast. It's usually a new episode every Wednesday. You can subscribe whether you listen via Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, yeah, man, I've enjoyed this conversation. I, I'm looking forward to coming back, God willing.
Amen. This was awesome. Gabe, thanks, thanks, thanks so much for being here. Thanks very much. Uh, someone is asking in the... Um, thanks for fact, having us. We, we, can, we can still have Q&A, so if anyone's got questions, there's one question that's up there now. Are you a pastor, Gabe? No. I, I, I served as a youth pastor um, at my church at, at, at one point in time, but right now I'm just serving. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not a pastor. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm also not a pastor, no one asked, but just to be super clear. So I think Gabe and I came from similar backgrounds. We both were youth leaders at one point. Um, we both seem to like hip hop a lot, although he performs it. I don't. Um, so, you know, there's a lot in common here. Where are you based, Gabe? Like, what, what, where in the U.S. are you? I'm from Detroit, born and raised. Um, Music City. Currently staying in uh, suburbia now, but I'm, I claim Detroit always. Um, also, my music is available everywhere. Um, you can look up Gabriel Parker. Um, my first solo project, Paradigm Shift, is available everywhere. Um, actually, the name Path of Revelation was started as a Christian rap group with me and my best friend, Matt. Um, he just recently, we just concluded the group. Um, this past year, he's going in different directions where he feels the Lord is leading him. But you can also look up our music that's available everywhere as well. And um, yeah, um, I'm out of Detroit, born and raised. Awesome. It was fantastic to have you, Gabe. Thanks to the entire audience for hanging with us, throwing up good questions and comments. Remember to share this with friends, family, whoever you think this will bless even if they're not Christians. Let's get the word out. The Bible is not ethnically ambiguous. It is very clear who gets in and who does not. Love you all. One.